the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. He has given us the faculty of common sense to read and apply that word if we choose to use common sense. He has given us the natural revelation and to tell us that he's here and that all we have to do is seek him. The word of God tells us he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And he's tried to give us a stable life in society by giving us these decrees, these, these precepts that are sweeter than honey, that are more precious than much fine gold. And we ignore them. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our series through the Book of Romans with a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Portrait of the Unfaithful. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They actively oppose the truth and attack those who believe the truth. They ignore the evidence. They deny the evidence. They look at this world and they reject what common sense lays on the table in front of them. And finally, not finally, and thirdly, they ignore his gift of grace. It's a willful, intentional ignorance. It's not accidental. We see it in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their understanding and their foolish hearts were darkened. Futile thinking. That's thinking that ignores the obvious Feudal thinking is thinking that is so set in its ways, so dulled, self-imposed dullness, so self-focused that it is ungrateful for the evidence set before it, for the forgiveness offered. God has made himself known to us through natural revelation. The heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. Through special revelation, through his word, the living word, Jesus Christ, and the effect that he's had on history through his special revelation and his written word that we have that has been preserved and transmitted to us that we can read and understand plainly for ourselves and make sense of our existence. He's done for us what we could not do and would not do for ourselves, provided salvation, paid the bill 
we, the sin debt that we owed through the death of his son on the cross, and people ignore that gift of grace. I'm reminded that even in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it tells us that God has put eternity in man's hearts. Man knows that he needs to worship something. The problem is, is that he wants to worship himself. You know, the, the mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal said there is a void in man in the shape of God and only God can fill it. But man is determined to fill that void with something or someone he can control. Man was made to worship. He's always thinking and looking for someone to worship. But humanity wants a God it can control. We know God. We know he's there. We sense his presence. Only the human race doesn't want God. They want to be God. Another French philosopher Voltaire said, in the beginning, God created man in his own image, and ever since then, man's been trying to return the favor. Man is unthankful. We, we want to exalt ourselves and humble God rather than humble ourselves before an exalted holy God and give him thanks. And so we experience the wrath of God when we turn down his offer of forgiveness. He gives us what we want. That's called the wrath of abandonment. He just lets us go. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And we experience his wrath when we ignore the evidence, when we push the gift away. He offers humanity a gift and humanity turns it down. Paul writes elsewhere in Romans 3, 21 to 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. We're all without excuse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. God has done all the work. He's done all the heavy lifting. He's done for us what we would not and could not do for ourselves. And all we need to do is trust him, right? In the book of Hebrews, it says that God, we must believe that God is and that we must seek him because he is a rewarder of those who seek him and people, people push away that gift of grace. They go through all kinds of intellectual and emotional and spiritual gymnastics to ignore God, to suppress what is true, to ignore the evidence, to push that gift away and they wonder why things happen to them. They want to break the bonds of rationality and they bend over backwards and contort like pretzels to ignore what is true and it's, it's crazy. They look at every good gift that comes down from above from the Father of lights. Every good thing we have is from God, whether it's the rain we receive, the warmth of the sun, the fellowship of our husband or wife or the love of our son or daughter, whatever it is, the food that we have, the strength in our bodies, and we take it and we bend it and warp it and pervert it and we wonder why we suffer the consequences. Which brings us to our fourth reason why people experience the wrath of God. Our fourth reason why those who are unfaithful and unbelieving deserve the wrath of God. And the fourth reason is this. They pervert what is good. They, they warp reality. They try to bend it and reshape it in their own image. They come up with all kinds of, they see what is, what is, and they try to explain it away through the craziest means possible. Where do we see this? Romans 122 to 128 says this, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, here's the wrath of abandonment. You persist at this long enough and God takes his hands off of you. 
and you get what you deserve. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts, the desires, the unhealthy desires of their hearts, that they thirsted and hungered for more than God, that they could suppress the truth, that they could ignore the evidence, that they could push away the gift of grace, and they take the intellect and the abilities that they have and they concoct crazy stories. And so God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. It's easier to get people to worship planet earth than it is the God who made it. And they served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, look at verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. Again, You want to pull against, you want to break the bonds of rationality, of reality. You want to violate the grace of God. You want to push his gift away. You want to ignore the evidence and suppress the truth and unrighteousness. For this reason, God gave them up. He let them go. He turned them loose. He let go the reins. He gave them up to dishonorable passions, the passions that they wanted. He gave them what they asked for. For their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or to honor God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. I can just tell you, I've dealt with drug addicts in my counseling ministry. And I tell you what, they can't even think straight. Because eventually, God gives them up, and their minds break. And then we say they're ill. And it's not a sickness, it's a moral choice. And that's what's going on here. People, people pervert their intellect and concoct all kinds of crazy stories about our existence that aren't true. People pervert marriage and the intimacy of sexual intercourse. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. God made me this way. God made me do this or made me. You know, God didn't make you do anything. Let no one say that when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God, because God doesn't tempt anyone, nor is he himself tempted by evil. But each person is tempted and carried away by his own desires, his own lust. When you even look at the structure of the male and the female body, that doesn't make sense. But we do that. We pervert what is good. We break, we violate the laws of nature, and eventually God gives them up. We embrace myths that we know aren't true. I was looking on Facebook. Do you know how many genders Facebook recognizes now? In excess of 29. I mean, really? You know? Again, look at verses, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passion. They did not see fit to acknowledge God, and he lets them have what they want. And in verses 29 to 31, we read this. Because we, you know, so we have this whole refusal to acknowledge God, which is a violation of the first four of the Ten Commandments. And now we see the wrath of God is poured out on unrighteousness of men and women, people, because they violate the rest of the Ten Commandments, the the other six, and talks about that. It refers to that in verses 29 to 31. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, you shall not covet. Malice, they are full of envy, covet, murder, strife, deceit, you will not bear false witness. They are gossip, slanderers, again, false witness, haters of God disobedient to parents honor your father and mother that it may go well with you run with scissors in your hands you get hurt right play with matches you get burned violate the law of God and you experience his wrath we've talked about this before you violate a city ordinance you get a fine you violate a state law you might go to jail 
You violate a federal law, you might get life in prison or you might receive capital punishment. Violate international law, countries go to war against you. What do you think the cost of violating the law of God would be? And that's why people are like, I don't know why all this is happening. It's happening because people are doing dumb things like driving on the freeway with their eyes closed or running with scissors in their hands, things that don't make sense. And then they try to blame God as if he's unjust or unkind. When you don't respect your marriage, when you don't respect your parents, when you don't respect the truth, when you don't respect life, bad things happen. There are consequences. I shuddered to look on the news with New York and this whole thing with the extending the ability to abort babies right up until the moment they're born. And then in celebration of that kind of perversion of something good, of the, of, of the rule of law, on the top of that trade center, they put that, you know, they made the light pink. I just thought, you know, God help them because that trade center is liable to come down one day again. You know, you look at this and you just, you watch this pattern and you, what did you expect? There are consequences, immediate consequences in this life or consequences in the life to come. And then there's the wrath of abandonment where like a drug addict, some immoral person gets everything he wants and destroys themselves. Which brings us to number five. The unfaithful and unbelieving experience the wrath of God because they ignore his protection. You know, I use those kind of silly childish illustrations about running with scissors in your hands and don't touch a hot stove and don't run on the stairs because that's what my mother used to tell me. Why did she tell me that? Did she want to rain on my parade? She wanted to protect me. And when I persisted, and let me tell you what, I played with a lot of matches and I got burned. And I remember her saying to me those words that every son looks forward to hearing after he's done something wrong, wait till your father gets home. You know, and I learned about kinetic energy and the laws of physics because they loved me, because they wanted to protect me. And people receive and deserve the wrath of God when they ignore his protections. Look at verse 32. But they, not, but, but, but they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserves to die. The wages of sin is death, right? They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. They do just the opposite of what they know is right and true, and they do it without remorse. You know, we talked, we had this whole series on the Ten Commandments. We call them Ten Rules for Life, and we understood that they were ten protections, that an ordered and civilized society is organized around a respect for God and a respect for one another. And some choose to ignore that and smoke the proverbial cigarette when they're filling up their tank of gas. God has given us his word. He has given us the faculty of common sense to read and apply that word if we choose to use common sense. He has given us the natural revelation to reveal to us how things work and to tell us that he's here and that all we have to do is seek him. The word of God tells us he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And he's tried to give us a stable life in society by giving us these decrees, these, these precepts that are sweeter than honey, that are more precious than much fine gold, and we ignore them. It's like a lifeguard at a pool and it says no diving in two feet of water and there are people who insist on diving and when the right lifeguard stops them, they get mad at him and act as if he's done something unkind or... No, he's trying to keep you from breaking your neck and the wrath of God, when we see it visited down upon nations or individuals, when we see him taking steps to minimize the collateral damage that these people cause, we tend to think of him as unkind or harsh because our minds are so bent and our thinking is so perverted and biblically illiterate that we don't know right from wrong, or at least we act that way. And we judge God as if he were a person and as if we were God. And that is a bad place to be. 
God has given us his word to guide us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word has made me wiser than my teachers, wiser than my years. The writer of Proverbs writes this in Proverbs 7, 1 to 3. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Like I said, God's wrath isn't vengeful. It's protective. It's not unloving. It's loving. It's not unpredictable. It's predictable. His righteousness is revealed to us and we are to reveal his righteousness to others from faith through, for faith. God says in Ezekiel 18.23, Have I any pleasure in the destruction of the wicked, declares the Lord God, but rather that he should turn from his way and live. God wants what's best for us, better than any parent who raised us. And he will do for us, he will tirelessly do for us what even our human parents could not do. But there are certain things he just will not tolerate. And that brings us to our sixth reason why people experience the wrath of God and why they deserve to experience the wrath of God. And this is really the biggie here. Reason number six, because they cause others to stumble. They cause others to stumble. People say, it's my body, I can do what I want. That's what patient zero did right before the AIDS epidemic spread across the globe. Look at me, with me at Romans 1.32 again, focusing on the last half of the verse. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they, did not, they do not only do them, but they give approval. They encourage others. They give approval to those who practice them, who do the same, some translations say. God's wrath is multiplied by those who lead others astray, who encourage others to follow their example. There's nothing unpredictable about this. There's nothing unreasonable about this. It is protective, not destructive. It is preventive. It is, it is a vaccine that pe- causes people to stop, look, and listen and say, do I need to do this? But there are other people who say, yes, you do. Yes, you must. This is what you're here for. When I think of things taught as normal in the educational system today, in the university, in first grade, it, to kindergartners, I grieve not only for the victims, but the magnified wrath of God that the perpetrators will experience as well. Remember this, justice may come in the afterlife, and just as there are degrees of reward in heaven, there are degrees of punishment in hell. And I think of people like Darwin or Lennon or Margaret Sanger or people like that. Sometimes wrath is delayed, but the eternal wrath of God is far worse than the wrath of God that may bring you to your knees to ask for salvation in this life. People teaching people to do crazy things, to throw off the bonds of civilization, to throw off the bonds of civilized behavior. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. One, I want you to listen to that warning because one of the things that comes through in Romans 118 to 32, which is the word of God, and this is what some people wrestle with, this is either the word of God or it's not. And if this isn't the word of God, then the rest of this book isn't either. And why are we here? But what it's telling us is those who experience the wrath of God have invited it upon themselves by suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, by ignoring the evidence, by pushing away God's gift of grace, by perverting what is good, by ignoring his protections, and by causing others to stumble. Misery loves company. Jesus said this about causing other people to stumble. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it's better for him that a heavy millstone would be hung around his neck and that he would be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the one through whom the stumbling block comes. The unfaithful and unbelieving experience the wrath of God 
because they cause others to stumble. Sometimes we see students go off to college and they never return to the church because the system is built to destroy their faith and they cause these little ones to stumble. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval, some translations say hearty approval, to those who practice them. What did we expect? You turn your back on God, you stick your, metaphorically, your finger in his eye and you expect nothing? You cause his little ones to stumble? You push away his gift of grace? What did you expect? The unfaithful and unbelieving deserve the wrath of God because they suppress the truth, because they ignore the evidence, because they ignore the gift of grace, because they pervert what is good, because they ignore his protections, and because they cause others to stumble. And if there was no wrath of God, then he wouldn't be a loving God. He wouldn't be a sweet God. He wouldn't be a kind God because he would allow people like that unfettered access to the rest of humanity. But because he's loving, kind, sweet, and gentle, he protects us from people like this by visiting his wrath down upon them. These are predators, you know. It, it amazes me. It amazes me how easily we let other people get a pass. God doesn't. So what do you do with this? Four suggestions. Four suggestions for application. Number one, first and foremost, I think anyone going through Romans and reading this passage or hearing this message would want to re-examine and perhaps strongly reconsider their beliefs about God, mankind's present state, and the wrath of God. Because all too often we've been influenced by the culture, we've been proselytized by the culture, and we've drunk the Kool-Aid, and we'll, we'll support what we see going on around us either passively or actively. So which, based on what you've heard here, and go back and reread this and maybe listen to the message again online, rethink, rethink what you believe about God. Number two, along these lines, have you or do you doubt God's word on these matters? And if you do, what does that mean about your faith and your understanding of the gospel and your embrace of the gospel? What empowers you to call into question God's character and his goodness and his wisdom? Number three, if you had any sort of reflexive reaction to what you heard today, don't think about what's wrong with me. Think about what's wrong with you. I just opened up the text and explained to you the mind of God on this matter. If you had a knee-jerk response, why? What does that say about your need to change and rethink the way you live, think, and do? And finally, what are you going to do now? What will you do with this? You know, one of the things we're all about in this church is trying to change this world one soul at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be one. We want to be the real deal. We want to be faithful to God's word so that we can bring one to faith and build them up to maturity. But it means embracing the word of God and going wherever God's word would take us. And so we have to understand the goodness, the grace, and the mercy of the wrath of God. He would not be God apart from his wrath. He would not be good apart from his hatred of evil and his protection of his creatures and his children. Let's pray. Father, the wrath of God is a 
an incredible thought, your wrath, Lord. It's not like our wrath. You're not like us. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Help us to think about what we've heard today, particularly now as we prepare for communion, Lord. Help us as we reflect on our relationship with you and all that you've done for us, how we ought to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you And thanks for listening.